Welcome to the Entrepastors Podcast. This show helps pastors think, act, and thrive as prosperous entrepreneurs. And now, here are your hosts, Les Hughes and John Sanders. Well, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Entre Pastors Podcast. My name is John Sanders, one of the co-founders of this platform, along with my friend and fellow co-founder, co-host, Les Hughes. Les, what's happening this week, man? Rocking right along. Looking forward to another good interview here in our Entre Pastor world. We've really met some amazing people in these last 90-something episodes, coming up on 100, by the way. Yeah. Are we, we going to throw a party for episode 100? You and I need I to think, think of should. something fun to do. I don't know, but we really should. I mean, that's what you do, right? It's a milestone, man. That's 100 yeah. episodes. So, yeah. Well, this is episode number 91. We'll we'll get the party planning committee uh, going here shortly for, for that, but... Hey, this week, we want to introduce you to someone, like you said, Les, I agree 100%. We we have met some incredible people. One of the coolest things that I have found in this journey that I've taken with you here is, um, you know, there are a lot of pastors doing what you and I are championing here, and we just don't know their stories because they're kind of under the radar. They don't We don't really celebrate them too loudly, and so it's been really cool as you and I continue to grow our network and just keep getting introduced to more people to meet Guys and gals uh, like Jason Kempf, who we're going to interview on this conversation today, um, that is... Hey, I got a question. Yeah. Before we do that, I got a question go, for you. Go, go, go. <clears throat> we don't have a... If anybody's wondering, no, we don't have a script. We just don't. No, this is not scripted. Um, You know, of all the people, what what patterns have, have come up or what have you noticed as we've gone through these interviews that has been a little surprising to you because you're right. I don't know that I would say I didn't realize so many pastors and people with a ministry background had other businesses and had things going by. So I, because I kind of did intuitively, we knew that when, you know, but anything surprise you that we've learned through these interviews? I don't mean maybe an individual, but just a general thing or a, a recurring pattern or anything like that? Okay. That's a great question. And if I thought about it more, if you didn't spring it on me, like if you gave me time <laughs> to think about it, I might be able to come There's up no with fun. something more intelligent. But here's here's my gut reaction to shooting from the hip on this. It's more of an observation. Um, those that get it, get it. Like the ones that are really doing it, like they get it. They don't need it to be explained to them. They're already doing it because because they get it. And then there's there's kind of the other category. There's people that fall outside of that that maybe want to get it and just need a little bit of help and coaching and um you know maybe a nudge to get off the fence to to push through whatever those fears or discomforts are. But the ones I think that we've really highlighted on the podcast as a general rule are are ones that just get it. And so at some point in their journey they 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 pushed through and they they did it. They did the thing. They started the thing and and they're finding that it is possible to be an entree pastor. It is possible to lead a church and shepherd God's people and be in business. So I don't know. That's that's my best take on that. What say you? That's a good that's a really good answer. Well, Thanks. what I say is that that's such a good answer that now people are really wondering. 
I bet they do. Have, they've got to have a script with an answer like that. He was prepared. No, I'm just that, that good. So that, that's uh, the maybe truth. we do. Hey, hey, maybe we do. Maybe we don't. There's no script. Les. Don't now. Now they think there is a script because I you know. just said that you open the door do, for maybe, doubt. Maybe we do. Maybe we don't. It's so unscripted. Now, there's no script. No script. So I answer the question. What's your observation, or what's it? You know, what's something that's kind of surprised you? This was your question. Man, I th- I think that I've I thought that um, I thought that that I I didn't anticipate that there would be uh people at such a, a high level like they they were they're in the groove and this is just a part of life and who they are and they don't really think about well how much is ministry and how much is marketplace or there's just dudes that are just just doing it and and doing it very very naturally they're comfortable in their own skin it's all a matter of calling for them that's been really nice to yeah, see that 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 that's a good picture of what's possible that's good for so many people and i want people to hear what you just said because some some of where we see people get stuck is this mindset of like um well this is ministry over here but this is business over here and the two are different things and where the more you can see your calling being fulfilled in multiple arenas the more permission you can give yourself because one of the things we've said a lot is so much of the resistance that that people experience down this path is coming from between their own two ears. It's their own, you know, thought process that's holding them back. In some cases that there literally is a Gladys in the church somewhere that is standing in the way of them moving in this direction. But most of the time it's their own fear of what they think Gladys might say if she finds out about it, you know? So yeah, I told you I met her. Yeah. Right. You did say you met a Gladys. We were, we were doing a little survey with a church in their community and, Lo and behold, who was the first person that answered the door? Gladys. That was her name. You know, when when I made up that character on my old show, the Small Town Big Church <laughs> podcast, for a while I thought about like actually doing an episode or more where I got an actor to be Gladys and I interviewed her oh. and just had her be this crotchety old, you know, gal <laughs> or whatever that God bless her. Like you gotta love her, but mm-hmm. man, she creates some you know, some pain for you. But anyway, maybe we'll have Gladys on the show someday. I think so, yeah. I think we definitely need to one day. Yep. It'll be fun. I know some people I could call that would be Gladys and be happy to do it. So that could be fun. That's awesome. Anyway, can we get back to Jason Kemp, Les, now that you took us down that rabbit trail? So guys, you're getting ready to hear from one of our people. Uh, He's of our tribe. This is someone who loves serving in God's house and also loves building stuff outside of God's house and business. And uh, he has not one, not two, but several businesses that are running and more on the way as he's continuing to that's what entrepreneurs do man we we see opportunities where others see obstacles and we create solutions by launching businesses because we see business as a solution to problems that serve people by solving their problems so anyway uh, i'm excited to introduce you to jason kemp we had a great conversation with him without any further ado are you good if we get to the interview now Les? can we let's do it? go let's right. go here we go check it out let's go well, Jason, welcome to the Entree Pastors Podcast. Man, thank you for the invite. I'm just honored to be able to show up here and, and be a part of this, part of what you guys are doing. So thank you very much. Absolutely. Awesome. Hey, why don't we start with a quick little introduction. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey into pastoral ministry, and then we'll go from there with uh, all yeah. the stuff. You got a lot of stuff I want to unpack. So yeah. Sounds good, man. Um, I grew up in the Eastern Plains of New Mexico. And I got into ministry, I think my sophomore year in high school, uh, just being an intern for my youth pastor, uh, grew up in a Southern Baptist church, just loved everything about what God was doing 
in and through the church and our community and just felt like that was where God was leading me. And so I started getting involved when I was in high school, doing some work for my youth pastor, ended up going to Bible college, getting a kind of general Bible study, biblical studies degree, thought I was going to do youth ministry. But uh, as I got into my first church, they they said, well, I've seen you've you know, sung in choir and played in band a few years. Can you can you direct a four pattern? I was like, well, <laughs> sure, I could do that. And they're like, well, hey, why not 50 more bucks a week to lead the worship too? And I said, you're on. <laughs> there you go. But uh, as soon as I started leading worship, I realized that that was God's design for my life, mm. that leading worship was always going to be what I did. And uh, yeah, so I, youth ministry, as soon as I graduated with that youth ministry's emphasis, it started declining in my life and started moving toward worship. Um, since then served in churches, um, since the mid nineties in New Mexico, Texas, Colorado, and now, uh, for the last little over 10 years here in South side of Indianapolis in the Midwest and, um, married, I've got a whole, uh, gaggle of kiddos. <laughs> We've had a couple of uh, biological kiddos. We've adopted three and we're into foster care as well. And so we've got, uh, uh kids always. Um, wake up each morning wondering and counting how many we've got. So um, that's kind of part of our journey. But my wife is amazing on that side of things. That's her heart's calling and passion. And so we've uh, always been involved in ministry of some sorts um, on church staff and, um, you know, just trying to help the vulnerable and things like that. So, um, but the, uh, you know, the reason that you and I got connected a couple of years ago was through an entrepreneurial journey here. Um, in my life that I felt God really shifting and pushing a different direction in my life. And that's, that's where I started reaching out to you, John. And uh, since then I've um, not only launched a nonprofit in our community, but started two businesses and I've got a third on the way. Um, I, that sounded like I've got another kid on the way. Uh, well, <laughs> it's kind of like that. Kind of like that. It's <laughs> very similar. Yeah. Yeah, it, it really is. And so God has really taken me on quite the journey. I'm still at my church and I'm still doing part-time at my church, we uh, shifted to that last year, uh, almost a year ago in May. And so I still lead worship, still participate on um, our senior leadership team. We're a, we're a shared leadership model. So we don't have a, a senior pastor. We uh, co-pastor as a team. And so I'm still one of that uh, part of that team. And actually, all the pastors at our church now are some sort of co-vocational. Um, one, of, one of the guys is moving toward retirement. So that's his that's his co-vocation. <laughs> yeah. I was going to ask you uh, about that real quick. You're, when you switched to yeah. part-time, was that by design or desire or was it you know by necessity because the church couldn't afford it? Or like, tell that story a little bit. Yeah. Um, it was 100% intentional on, from my side of things. Um, now, one of the ingredients to that is I felt like I could see the writing on the wall coming that um, this was right before COVID. I had no idea. Um, but I really felt God kind of building that within me of like, hey, I, I want you to be able to take care of your family independent of the impact that you're making. Um, so, you know, if it's a nonprofit, uh, nonprofit donations, you know, whether it's church or not, have been going down for a decade uh, mm-hmm. across America. And so felt like, you know, God is, I think, showing me that the writing's on the wall and I need to find a way to uh, be able to support my family because it just it just keeps growing year after year. Yeah. And uh, so how am I going to support my family? How am I going to continue to make the impact without being forced into a position someday that I have to go find something? And I want to I want to be ahead of the curve, shape that for me and my family. And so it was very much a missional uh, desire. Um, that's one of the things that 
I know that you and I connect, contact connected on back then was, um, you know, I've heard you say it many times, the, the church, there's something broken. There, we're, the operating system of the church is messed up and we've got to reformulate. We've got to figure this out. And then COVID hit. And of course that uncovered everything yeah. <laughs> in a huge way. And so that's the nonprofit. That's the purpose behind the nonprofit is how do we build a bridge between the church and our culture today and create ministry in the marketplace, in our community, that's for the community, by the community. Um, you know, how can we build that bridge that, you know, people just aren't looking to the church for even the solution to their spiritual questions, even yeah. our own kids that are even being raised in the church. They go to Quora, they go to Google, they go to TikTok, they go to things that for their spiritual advice that they're, they're not being guided yeah. <laughs> in the right way. And so how can we make that bridge into our culture? How can we return to that as a church? And so that's what I felt God calling me toward was uh, find a way to, to love your family well, provide for your family, and continue to make an impact in the community through you know, being a light, being a missionary right here in this community. So I want to kind of go in chronological order and just hear the story of of the nonprofit in the first business and then the second business, mm-hmm. and I want to find out more about the third okay. one that's on the way. But um, w- take me back, though, to that space where you're still kind of full-time in traditional ministry. You're getting mm-hmm. a paycheck from the church. It's I'm hearing you say that it, be, it was intentional, so like this is something you moved toward with you know, enthusiasm and excitement, but I wanted to just unpack your mindset a little bit in that season. Was there any feeling of like guilt around that or shame or shame may be too strong of a word, but like, what are people going to think if I'm now just a part-time <laughs> pastor and I'm only serving God part-time when I used to serve God full-time? Like, did you have to like right. do any kind of mental work around that in your own life? Oh, goodness. I'm a dumpster fire. So yeah, um, <laughs> there's plenty of stuff uh, that I worked through. Um, the The nonprofit really began pre-COVID as what initially I thought was probably going to be a church plant. And I actually went through a church planning um, weekend certification deal, um, you know, looking for that supporting organization that would help me launch. Um, but it was going to be a church like none other, you know, like we say that every time, right? <laughs> a church Everyone's going to be that. Yeah. birth in America. Yeah. Yeah. We're not your grandma's church or, right. you know, whatever. But um, so that's what I initially thought God was calling to. And the more that we sat in that moment, the more we spent time in it, just seeing, I, I think God really just kind of lifted the veil from me and my wife's eyes of like, you know, we've been in full-time ministry for over 20, 25 years. Where is the impact? We walk away from Sunday or we walk away from this Bible study. Where is the church really making an impact in the community? And I've been called to equip the church to do that. Am I failing on my side as the equipper, as the pastor? Are we failing as the church? What is, you know, what is missing in this equation? And so feeling guilt of stepping out of full time was actually opposite for me. That stepping out of the church, I mean, I've always tried to have ministry outside of the office, you know, that um, I think of like the big inflatable games where you can run the obstacle course with the bungee cord attached to your waist. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And at some point you get yanked back to the start line. That's what I kind of felt like the church was that I would try and develop relationships outside the church and get involved in this organization or play on this sports team and try and meet people outside the, but then Easter would roll around or Christmas would roll around or this big emphasis or that. And it was like that bungee cord just sucking me right back into 
my full-time work at the church. And I felt like, how are we ever going to have an impact on the community in this way? And so I never really experienced that feeling of guilt, but more of empowerment of saying, I'm going to live into being more of a pastor outside of the church walls yeah. than I was inside. And that's really the feeling, even from the first moment I stepped out, I felt like, wow, this relationship has a, has a gravitas to it that I've never felt being full-time in the church. Did you, um, so, and I'm not trying to, uh, to spark any, um, you know, mm-hmm. div- divisiveness here when I ask this, I genuinely don't know, like, was your church yeah. supportive of that when you started moving and like your, your <laughs> leadership, were they like applauding that? Or was this something you had to, you know, tiptoe around or, you know, explain very thoroughly mm-hmm. to everyone for fear of what people would think of what you, what you were doing? Right. That's a good question. Um, we spent a lot of time as leadership really kind of digging into the problem of what what are we missing? What are we missing as a church in our culture? Why, you know, why are things not connecting? Um, we we have a big gap in our 20-somethings in our community, but we're a commuter community. Uh, we don't have any universities, but super close by. So most of our high schoolers move and they don't come back until after they're married. And so we have this gap and, uh, you know, so what are we, what are we missing? How, how can we make this more effective? So we had already been down that road a lot of ways, uh, a lot of different directions. And so when it came time for me to approach leadership and say, Hey, I think God is calling me to do something. Um, there was definitely a feeling of like, um, you know, well, well what are we going to do? What, you know, this is going to leave a gap in the church. Cause I've, I've now been at the church over 10 and a half years. Um, it's been an amazing church, one of the most gracious and freedom giving churches to lead. And so they really embraced it actually pretty well. And, um, you know, they knew it was a long runway of a couple of years, two or three years. And so they were, I think that gave them a little bit of comfort (laughs) that this isn't happening tomorrow. You're not walking out the door. And, uh, you know, and I explained, I was like, at this point, I feel like it's some kind of ministry, you know, that it'll probably be part-time for both. Uh, Just kept maturing that idea. Um, Our initial board of directors was right out of our church as well. Uh, So for the nonprofit as that birthed, um, our chairman of our council was on the board, as well as, um, you know, a couple of other leaders in the church. And so we had this, it's being birthed out of the church type of mentality. And we took it step by step. We didn't, we didn't rip the Velcro off. We just, um, you know, let's, let's take this slowly. Let's take this step by step and explain it. And then COVID happened. So that really slowed everything down anyway. Mm-hmm. And so that might've been part of it. Um, but when I decided to step down part-time, it really felt, everybody felt like, okay, that makes sense. We've, we've been journeying down this road for a couple of years. That makes a lot of sense. That's cool. So what's, if you don't mind, what's the name of the, uh, nonprofit and kind of what's the focus and how does that yeah. maybe complement the work that you do with the church or inside of the church? Mm-hmm. Uh, the nonprofit's called The Uncommons. Um, we're about an uncommon good within our community. And so it's a it's a community benefit nonprofit. Um, we, we chose to go that route because we wanted to make it clear that there was not somebody trying to pad their pockets with profit. We wanted this for the community. So any type of excess that comes in um, rolls back to the community. Um, we seek to be fully sustainable in our business practices. So I hate fundraising and I would hate to ask anybody to do fundraising for their job. And so we are setting up business practices that will, you know, how can we charge, um, the, you know, develop the revenue streams within this nonprofit that funds the impact that we want to do in our community. 
And, so Jason, you know, we'll take so, donations. Yes, sir. Yeah, that, that was going to be one of my questions. You'll, of course, take them, but you really don't solicit those. So right. was your was your primary reason for going nonprofit mostly the the um, the the uh, desire to really just stay above reproach in a fiscal way? And do you feel like people like with the in ministry or in relationships in churches? I agree. I do think that it's true, whether it whether it is actually true or not. There is a sense that somehow the nonprofit. This is not a great way to put this. So just kind of, I'm shooting from the hip there, but it's it is what we mean. I think there's a perception sometimes that there's a higher value, you know, like a kingdom value to something because it's a nonprofit. That's not necessarily the case, but I I do think it's interesting that you're not taking donations or at least not soliciting those. But so this also means you you have a board, so there's accountability that's there as well, mm-hmm. which is not always going to be the case with a for profit. And then, but but you've also chosen voluntarily to probably cap your own ability to earn income through at least that organization. Mm-hmm. So those are all things that our uh, members of our community and audience ask because a lot of times right. people with our background come to this pivotal place. It's like do I do nonprofit or do I do for-profit? And these are some of the questions that they answer so, or that they ask. So it's interesting to hear you articulate it in that way. Yeah. I mean, our, our heart is that we want to see cooperation in our community come together. We want to create kind of this living room type of mindset for our community that, um, you know, a church could jump on board to the mission of this nonprofit and say, we see the kingdom purpose. We see the the truth and the values of Christ being lived out and worked out in the mission of this nonprofit. You know, we're going to put you on our missions budget. Okay, great. That's wonderful. And then right next door, there might be an insurance agent or a auto mechanic or somebody that may express faith in Christ or not, but they love the work that's going on in our community and they want to partner too. And so they put it on part of their you know, charitable donation list. And, you know, so it's an opportunity to link arms across our community um, and, you know, and just say, we're out for the highest good of one another. We're going to fight for this. We're going to fight for the highest good of our community. And we're going to do this together, whether it's faith or not. I, you know, I want to rub shoulders with these guys and gals. I want to be there. And uh, how can we create good and positive change within our community? And, um, you know, the ultimate vision for the nonprofit is, um, a large facility. We're only a couple of years old, so we're not there yet. We're still in our fundraising stage. Um, <clears throat> we had hoped to build around a 40,000, 50,000 square foot property um, that encompasses everything from a co-working and shared office space um, to event space to a uh, kind of a food court-esque. Um, I mean, we've got some, we've got some, you know, places where you can go, you can go to Panera, you can go to Starbucks, right? Uh, but we don't really have a place where the community can gather informally or formally in, in some ways. And so how can we create a large living room type of area for our community that has access to multiple food and drink options? And maybe we can, you know, one of the impact things we'd love to do down the road is a sensory gym for um, high needs kids, you know, special needs kiddos. Um, that's mm-hmm. something that our family's into. And, you know, it's some. so we're looking for those resources that we're lacking in our community how do we partner with our community? Um, or if there's a resource already developed, how do we partner with them? We don't want to recreate the wheel. So how can we bring businesses, nonprofits? How can we bring our community together in this space? And, you know, so we're looking for income and revenue ways to monetize that space, but also 
how can we impact our community and free, if not, you know, very minimal cost uh, type of avenues and really bring that impact to our community as well. So it's a, it's John, a, it's a fine line. <laughs> yeah. John, why don't we do a little networking live? Okay. Let's, let's, let's show our listeners a lot of what we do. Go ahead. That? I think I know where you're going with this. So go ahead. You know exactly where I'm going. Has he met Drew yet? I don't believe so. No. All right, Jason, you need to meet an individual named Drew Grubbs, and we'll be glad to make that introduction for you. All he'll, right. He'd, he'd be all over what you're talking about. He's doing it. He's doing it Love in it. his church in lots of ways. And uh, yeah, y'all need to meet for sure. You'll like him. Cool. And Drew's cool. superpower, at least one of them, uh, besides being an amazing dresser and uh, and, uh, and and very funny. <laughs> and knowing where all the fast food places are. Yeah, he's a funny dude. But uh yeah. No, he uh, seriously. One of his superpowers is uh, helping nonprofits raise money. Like he's really dialed in on that. And oh, really? Um, yeah, he's been a guest on our um, on our podcast. He's a part of our Entree Pastors Mastermind. Just a solid mm-hmm. dude, both in business and in the nonprofit space. So I agree, Les. I think um, your net work is your net worth, and Drew is someone you should know. Yeah. So Les, uh, okay. Les will get you guys introduced via email, yeah. but. Um, uh, I was going to ask you one more thing on the nonprofit, and then we'll kind of switch yeah. to. I want to hear then about some of these businesses that you've launched. But is there when you when you started the nonprofit, either at that time or have you now considered? Is it part of the strategy for there to be income for you out of that? Because just because something is structured as nonprofit doesn't mean that it can't be profitable mm-hmm. for the people, the staff that are leading that. That it so it could be a source of income for you is that was that ever a part of it is that a part of it do you receive any income um, from the nonprofit initially i thought i would end up being like executive director of the nonprofit uh, but it's very i you know more i've searched and prayed about that i'm not an executive director personality <laughs> i get that would that would not I, I could drive it into the ground really well sure. and so we're going to you know we're going to hire that type of uh, type of person so I'm I'm really on the path of of not bringing an income from this, and that this is more of a passion, a heart work um, for what I want to see happen in the church and community. Um, you know, thus the businesses that I've started since then yeah. is why you know that's how I want to support my family and have found some ways that um, you know I lean into that. Okay, um, so. good, and that's a totally valid answer. The reason I'm bringing it up is again something we see. Not that uncommon in our community with pastors when they think about going to the marketplace because they've only ever known, you know, quote unquote ministry that's done for the Lord and therefore it doesn't pay Mm -hmm. anything or it's, you know, free or next to nothing. Often they then naturally think, well, I'm going to start a nonprofit. Again, I'm not mad about a nonprofit. There's certainly a time and a place for that. But if the goal is to develop revenue for your family, we've just taken one nonprofit scenario and traded it for another, and we're still broke. <laughs> so right. I'm good if someone has a, a sense of calling around that or you know, if there's a reason for that. But if, if the mm-hmm. desire is, man, I really want to develop some income for my family, you said it a minute ago, and I'm really glad you did, that you, you recognize business is a way that that can happen. Like The, the ceiling mm-hmm. is removed from my earning potential where the sky is truly the limit uh, versus when I'm in the nonprofit space, even if I give, you know, allow myself, the board allows me to have a really significant salary. There's still a a ceiling there because it's nonprofit. Mm -hmm. How can we justify paying you much? Um, So let's, let's get into the business side of things. What was Mm -hmm. then the, the the first for-profit business 
as you continue to launch all these things we're going to talk about? The first for-profit actually became the the second okay. <laughs> in the long run. I'm confused, um, I but was, go ahead. I, exactly. Um, I was leaning on my skills that I've developed through my church work. You know, I'm, I've always been in music and creative and artistic and, um, you know, communications, anything along that way line. And so I thought, you know, that's the way I can connect and monetize some skills that I have that I've developed. Um, I got really close to launching that and then COVID hit and I really started realizing the work that would go into developing clients for that. And it, I, I realized, no, thank you. That, that this cannot be, um, you know, what, what I'm going to support my family on. I'm going to end up working 80 hours a week to pull this off. And I didn't, I didn't want to go there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're, we're very, uh, family is a huge value for us. Um, I mentioned earlier, we've got uh, some adoption stories as well as foster care, medically fragile kiddos um, in our care. And so having that flexibility of really managing my time well to give to my church, to my family before even church, um, you know, I I had to be able to create an income around that. And this wasn't going to support that. Mm -hmm. And I found out really what uh, drone photography and video was going to pay and how many clients I'd have to develop. No, thank you. Okay. <laughs> that just wasn't going to be it. And so I backed off of that <clears throat> and started, you know, just kind of praying and wondering what what God had in store. And uh, a good friend of mine from a previous church from, I don't know, 20 years ago, um, drove through town. He stopped and we uh, just shared an afternoon, just sitting around in the living room and asked him, you know, how's your work going? He's a, a fractional um, executive pastor at his church. He works three quarter time for his church and then works a quarter time as a leadership development coach. And uh, he just kind of dove into what was going on. And um, him and I had connected on it probably five years before that, um, just kind of talking about some of the things that he was doing in the leadership space. And our church didn't sign on. Uh, we wanted to, I kind of wanted to do it, but we just, it just wasn't right. And so I'm listening to him tell the story of what's going on. And uh, he said, you know, they've made some huge changes and uh, really made some huge leaps in development. And, you know, there's a, there's a special going on right now, which really speaks to a pastor of uh, lower price licensing fees. And man, I signed up the next week, started the cohort uh, to get licensed. And within, I think, six weeks became a licensed coach through Giant Worldwide and started my own uh, LLC called Exonimo Solutions that uh, Exonimo is Latin for from the heart, from the soul. And so these are solutions that come for people, for leaders, uh, for businesses, for churches alike. Um, solutions from my heart to their heart. And we work on a, um, a giant worldwide is linked with, I'm sure you're familiar with like Catalyst Movement, um, mm-hmm. the Maxwell, um, and uh, a lot of uh, LeaderCast is another one of their brands that they've worked with in the past. So it's it's a leadership uh, platform uh, designed for taking that into businesses, taking it into nonprofits. And really it's a people-driven leadership model that uh, fights for the highest good of one another. and yeah, I fell in love with it and saw God's handprint all over it, just saying, this is you. This is exactly what you love to do. And they, you know, provide an incredible platform for it and incredible training. So I jumped in on that and started looking for ways that I could have an impact in my community. And through that coaching is actually a way that I've learned to be able to basically charge a premium because you can, <laughs> I mean, some of the things that I'm able to charge for as a church, I would never 
Mm-hmm. I, it would have hit my email and gone, yeah. <laughs> right? Um, but I have the flexibility to work with, um, you know, actually talking with a multinational corporation right now, um, but I'm also working with solopreneurs. Um, I stood in a guy's uh, garage as he was doing an engine swamp, and we did a coaching session mm. <laughs> while he's, you know, pulling bolts, um, you know, so I have the opportunity to price appropriately for the the people I'm working with. Um, but these tools through Giant are literally, I mean, they're basically based in biblical principles of discipleship. Yeah. And they've so, been <clears throat> they've been framed in such a way that you can talk about them in the workplace without, you know, without being preachy. It's a whole, it's it's the language of our culture. And so I've I've really loved diving into that and having that impact. I want to back up and ask a really basic question um, because we make the case often. We see that for many pastors, certainly not all, but for many pastors, coaching is a natural fit just based on the skill set mm-hmm. that they've honed in you know years in pastoral ministry. Um, and it's kind of a double or two-edged sword because on one hand, I could make the case that this is a slam dunk. And you, like you said, you can charge a professional fee for the work that you do, which is kind of a new territory for a pastor who's very much mm-hmm. been taught to kind of devalue their time and and the resource or the the results that they're helping people get like you take it out into the marketplace and it's like you know executives will pay for that corporations will pay for that high you know high achieving leaders will pay for that in the church world they just expect it you know they expect some of these things right. to be given um so I could make it sound like coaching is really easy and everyone should do it on the the flip side the the other side of that sword is uh, it can be a grind getting a coaching business yeah. up and off the ground. So I'm, I'll kind of summarize it this way, and you can take it from there. So what I'm hearing you say is you made an investment into yourself. I'm guessing the training that you got mm-hmm. was not free. You probably had to pay right. a significant amount to make that investment to get the training, and then you had to take action on top of that and actually apply that training, and now you have a coaching practice where you're – having clients come and pay you is that am i missing anything there what would you add to that because i want people that's to pretty hear, close. i want them to hear that part of the story because sometimes mm-hmm. people come to us and are like "Ooh, i don't know if i want to make that investment and it's like well <laughs> okay well you're going to struggle then charging for that with others but tell your part right. you know the story as it pertains to you yeah i mean it's it's definitely structured where once you do the the onboarding you get the certification and um, it's about a month long um once you get it you can you can jump right in and start developing clients um for me that was a six month runway um largely because of um the example of the bungee cord earlier (laughs) yeah that i thought oh i'm you know i've got a pretty good network well you mentioned network what was your phrase network is your net worth or whatever yeah um i i thought i'm pretty well networked and then i got it to doing it going, I really just know people in the church. Hmm. I don't have the relationships developed in the community after almost 10 years that I thought I had. They were very surface level. And so I had to step back to square one in a lot of ways of going, I just got to begin meeting people. I've got a network. I've got to find open doors in the community. Um, So, you know, going to networking events, um, I actually started a, it's essentially a mastermind type of group, but we call it a peer-to-peer mentoring that um, a bunch of business leaders and entrepreneurs get together and we discuss business twice a month. Um, And we're actually monetizing that for the uncommons (laughs) that uh, we're doing community-wide network of these peer-to-peer mentoring groups 
um, <clears throat> charging a membership fee for the uncommon. So that's beginning a revenue stream for them, for us as, as the nonprofit, but we're linking, you know, all these business leaders together through what I've learned through that. So, um, everything really is kind of a jumbled web, by the way. So yeah. <laughs> bear with me. Um, so it was a six month runway for me to really feel like, okay, I'm ready to really put myself out there and feel like I can begin to develop clients. And that is really the hardest part of doing coaching for me that I can absolutely sit down with, you know, a team of a dozen or speak to a room of a few hundred or, you know, sit down one-on-one. I, you know, it's just, it's what I've been doing for 25 years, Mm -hmm. just in a, with a different name. Um, But developing those relationships to say, I can bring value to your business of which I've always been a nonprofit, (laughs) you know, a little bit of imposter syndrome. Um, You know, a lot of, a lot of mindset shift going around that of, you know, introducing myself of, you know, hi, my name's Jason. I'm, I'm a pastor over at my church to, you know, my name's Jason. I'm a, I'm, I bring leadership solutions for, you know, companies and, and organizations. That's been a huge shift for me that pastoring is not a title. It's a calling. And so I've really had to live into that in my own mind, not just externally, but going, I'm, I pastor in every moment, whether it's from yeah. foster care to working with a huge corporation that's that's my calling it's not my title yeah and so i've i've had to shift my mindset huge around that and so working into those relationships developing those networks um giving giving myself away in a lot of ways going making that impact that's the best way to build that coaching um you know business is give yourself away look for those open doors look for the people who are hungry and humble and ready to jump in and then you can have those conversations of how can I serve you and your team, and your organization. I'm so glad you you're tapping into something, and some in our audience need to you know hit the little back arrow on your podcast player and go <laughs> back and listen to this again because you said something really valuable there. Because um, I see this a lot with our with our prospective coaches or would be coaches, all they know is the church world, and therefore. They yeah. then try to think of developing a product that is simply for the church. And I know that sounds very hypocritical as a guy who's, you know, building out Andre pastors that, that's serving the church <laughs> and serving pastors. Um, and again, I'm not saying no one, like we have a corner on the market, no one else should do it, but mm-hmm. it's just, Hey pastor, there's a much larger world than just the church out there. And, um, and, and by the way, I'm less and I are building things that go beyond just serving pastors as well, you know, in our own lives, like, mm-hmm. um, so go where go where there's a market. If you if you stay in the church world, you there's a need there maybe, but you're also going to be up against some very real challenges. So I love you mm-hmm. sharing that that you had to be intentional when you realized just how quickly your network ran out the minute you stepped outside of the the four walls of the mm-hmm. church that you had to go develop those relationships and be intentional about that. It's right. a, it's an area of frustration I have sometimes with you know fledgling coaches that. The only place they know to go to have conversations is other pastors, and it's like, man, that's that's frustrating. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, our our work is neutral, right? What we how we express who we are is a neutral thing in our lives. It can be used for good or bad. Yeah, and you know, I've I've had to shift from being I'm a Christian businessman or I'm a you know I'm a pastor to I'm a I'm a person. I'm, I'm my name's Jason, and I'm a follower of Christ. And I live that out through my work, through yeah. how I operate in the community. And, you know, I choose to use my business expertise for good 
and how I treat people and how I work with people and my target audience, we can target the church. We can say, I'm going to do this for the church uh, because churches, we've got a very specific um, churchies language, right? (laughs) Um, But the culture has a whole different language. And so, you know, I'm targeting the culture. I'm targeting our world of how can I be a light for Christ in my work as, and you know, that calling of a pastor calling of being a disciple maker in my community. That's what I'm trying to live out. And yeah, that's a, it's a hard shift for those of us who've been sitting in, in the office 40, 60 hours a week and, you know, being driven more by school semesters and Christmas and Easter mm-hmm. than we are fiscal years and, you know, the rhythms of business. And it, it's a different world. It really is. We've yeah. got to be brave enough to step out and embrace it. Yeah. All right. So you got business number one is your coaching business. Yeah. Then how about business number mm-hmm. two? Yeah. So business number two returned right back to that creative venture okay. um, that ended up hiring a VA for our nonprofit to handle social media. Um, because even though I've been in that world for all these years, um, I just can't be in it. <laughs> uh, you know, that is just, it, it creates patterns of unhealth in my life. Yeah. And so I do not like getting sucked into the social media aspects. So to, you know, to launch our nonprofit in the community, we hired a VA, you know, I've been working with her for a number of months, just going, Hey, this is how we're going to build our brand, build our presence. I've got some other businesses. Let's, you know, so she is really helping me in a lot of ways. I've run into a lot of college grads and the gal being one of them who have marketing degrees and are struggling to find work post COVID. And so here I am running into these artists and I speak their language. I, I am one. I'm, I'm just as creative night owl, square peg in a round hole in this world as I can be. <laughs> but I've also learned the side of business and I've learned to talk to businesses and leaders and organizations. And I can talk both languages as connect people is what I found. Mm. And there was a, there was a market. There was a need. There was a, you know, spot in our community for a local owned, social media agency. And so I'm contracting work to artists and, you know, speaking with businesses. Um, and it was a business that I didn't want to start and do on my own because that just went right back to that original journey of going, there's no way I can, you know, developing four to six coaching clients is better for me than developing 40 to 60, um, creative clients. (laughs) And so, um, there's a, there's a gal in my church, um, incredible lady. And she is looking for a change in her life. And I said, do you want to be my operations manager of a business I haven't even launched yet? And she said, absolutely, let's do this. And she turns out she had a marketing degree as well. I had no idea. I've known her for 10 years and just found some gold in her. And so her and, you know, some of these artists are really just taking this brand and moving forward with it. And I get to consult, give some vision, um, you know, have conversations where needed. But other than that, I'm Building it from the start is something that I don't have to be involved in 10, 20, 40 hours a week, um, letting, you know, trying to build that where it's running on its own. So um, that one's a, you know, creative agency called Six String Creative. Um, being a worship pastor, I had to throw a nod into <laughs> guitar players worldwide in our churches, right? Um, but yeah, we do social media management. We do um, some one page websites for entrepreneurs who are launching out, um, you know, Websites don't have to be the big, long book masterpieces that they used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, a one-page le- website is perfect for launching and getting your name out there and getting your leads. Um, so we specialize in some of those things, podcast production, production as well. Um, I'm part of three different podcasts. And so we help with production side of things as well. And 
yeah, just a way that there was a void and um, it's not easy, but it sure felt easy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> making that connection, if that makes sense. Well, uh, one, thing, one thing I want people to hear in that, another good takeaway here that you're dropping on us is that you can start a business without having to either A, be the expert in it, or B, be the one doing all of the work. I mean, technically that is a business. Mm-hmm. If if you are the guy or gal doing it all, you, you just have a job, you know, and now you work your right. boss is you, but when you actually build a business, you it's not a one person show. You build a team and you get work done through the team, and uh, I love that man. Like you're you're building a business that is not mm-hmm. necessarily even requiring you to be boots on the ground. And again, pastor, don't miss this. This is where we can tap into our our stronger points of leading people and building people. And because that at the end of the day, that is a business. It's a it's a group of people that have come together for a common purpose and in the marketplace and you can build that team of people mm-hmm. using your skill set even if you're you know not necessarily the expert in the the actual business mm-hmm. itself so right. love that right and I, and just a something to throw out there that I like telling pastors as well is that between these two businesses um I've invested $850 of my own money wow it has been bootstrapped from the start um well, no, I invested a little more. <laughs> Forgot about those first six months of uh, licensing, which wasn't, you know, so still under two grand total yeah. getting into two different businesses. Um, and so you don't have to have this huge nest egg to be able to start some businesses out there. Um, but realize that starting business is slow. We hear all these stories and read books of people who found success and their seven year success story feels like seven months. And that's, that's not how it works. Um, that you've really got to be patient. You've got to grind. You've got to, you've got to choose to show up. It's just like being a pastor that on Monday morning, when <laughs> that one person in the church comes into your office and lays it on you and you know, they are wrong as the day is long, you can't fight back at them <laughs> because you know, we're pastors. We're too nice. Right. Uh, we're not supposed to, or whatever. Um, starting a business will chew you up and spit you out just as quick or quicker and um, every week. And so it's, it's a slow, arduous project process. And you, you know, it, it doesn't overnight success is great, but um, taking the slow route is probably long run in my opinion yeah. that you're setting up foundation for growth and stability in the long run um, rather than that just crazy success that you don't know yeah. how to keep up with. And honestly, I don't know that I personally believe the story of overnight success. I mean, I think it's a very mm-hmm. rare thing if it really is a thing. Like often what we think is an overnight success is we're just now starting to see the fruit of what someone has been pouring into for a long time. And uh, right. we're not seeing the behind the scenes backstage stuff that they've been mm-hmm. pouring out and the sacrifices that they've made, the investments that they've made for that to happen. But I still love what you're saying, like it's uh, it's low startup. So much of these businesses can be done with with relatively low startup mm-hmm. costs, uh, with all the tools yeah. we have at our disposal today. Yeah, there's some creative ways to fund it. That um, yeah, it it can be done. Yeah. Well, you mentioned a third business, and uh, I want to get that in before we run out of time here. So, uh, yeah. and I'm I'm not exhausted. Some people are like probably overwhelmed at this point, going another one. But uh, tell me about it, man. What, what's on your mind? What yeah. are you dreaming about? Well, in conjunction with the nonprofit, so this is where the web kind of keeps coming full circle. Um, we want to have a number of <clears throat> food and drink options 
um, there in the in that space. And so we're working out partnerships with some local coffee shop owners. Um, I don't drink coffee. What I've never enjoyed. I, I know I've that. never enjoyed hot drinks. My my wife sees a mug in my hand and she's like, "Oh, how long you been sick?" <laughs> so that's the only time I get hot tea. Um, but iced tea, sodas, you know, those are those are my thing. And you know, whenever somebody says, "Hey, let's meet for coffee," I know I'm just going to be buying a bottle of water. Um, and so I want this space to be able to, uh, you know, in Indiana, love sweet tea and Diet Coke. So there's a there's a business concept. I'm not going to give too much away, but uh, there's a uh, budding concept over the last number of years coming out of um, uh, out of the West, out of Utah and Arizona, um, kind of making its way east these days. Um, but we, I want to be first to market here in Indianapolis on this on a drink concept that um, really combines some engine, uh, uh, really some weird recipes around gourmet sodas, gourmet teas, and not the not your typical boba teas that you see around. These are these are a little different. Fascinating. Um, and so I'm, um, so that's something I've got, uh, in the works as a musician, I've already got it, you know, as a creative, I've already got it branded. <laughs> I'm ready to launch. I just I like need it. God to give the green light, you know, and, uh, and fun, this one will require financing and funding available, but, uh, Groove House Sodas and Teas is, uh, the move toward that, um, working on, you know, kind of a music background and kind of a band, Cool. You know, music house type of vibe. So cool, yeah. man. That sounds neat. Uh, looking looking to do that in the road down the road soon. Uh, may start out as a food truck. Um, we're toying with the idea of starting that this summer. Um, we'll see. That's very cool. I just had an idea last week for a business, but since you won't tell me about yours, I'm not going to tell you about mine. No, I I'll tell you when we go <laughs> off the recording. Uh, it may not even be a good idea, but I'm always thinking of <laughs> creative ideas for stuff like that. So yeah. I love it, man. Well, and and that. Um, this is one that down the road, once this idea is, is matured and we can show that it has market value and is making a buck, you know, that it does profit and is sustainable. Um, I think this is the type of business that would make a whole lot of sense for pastors, uh, especially people in the youth ministry areas and children, family ministries, um, as a jump or as a second career, as a, as a way to start something in their community that helps them build relationships in the community. And <clears throat> provide a product and a service that you know feeds their family. Um, that I think this would be reproducible down the road for um, specifically for the pastor looking to have that impact in their community. Um, so I've got to I've got to get it matured. I got to get it there. Well, I'll tell I've you what. Uh, and all joking aside, seriously, when that time comes, if and when that time comes for you to say, "Look, I'm I have a really clear concept and a proof of concept, and now I just need an investor." I've got less, and I have about two. Uh, two people for sure. I know that I could, we could put you in front of that uh, would at least give mm. it a listen. I'm again, I make no promises of whether or not they would fund you, but, um, but we know people, right. don't we less. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I, was I mean, the, the concept, yeah, the concept definitely works in other parts of the country. Um, and uh, I don't, I don't see why Indiana would not embrace it. Um, if you're, if your community is too health conscious, maybe not. <laughs> being that it's sodas and you know there's a little too much sugar probably sure. gonna go through the shop but uh sure. you know I, I i'll deal with that so cool <laughs> well hey man as we uh get ready to land the plane here i was asking you this question yeah. before we hit record i just said of all these it's, it's probably not a fair question because it's like asking which of your kids is your favorite even if you had one you can't yeah. say it on a podcast <laughs> but uh uh I, you know 
of these, what's the one that really gets you out of bed in the morning, gets you excited? You know, what do you put in your focus into these days? Again, maybe it's all mm-hmm. of the above, but how would you answer that? Um, it's it's really kind of a blend of of uh, three of them. Uh, the creative agency is um, it's that's the side hustle for sure um, out of the four. Um, the you know leading worship is still my sweet spot. That that is my unconscious competence that you know, I can, I just absolutely love it. And I can do it with my eyes closed, go to sleep and still lead worship. I don't know, but I absolutely love it. And it fuels me to no end. And so I will always be doing that. I will always always be being a part of that. Um, The coaching absolutely fuels me. Um, The more that I get into it, the more I feel like I am having conversations with people in the community that are not connected to church in the same way that Jesus had conversation at the well with the Samaritan woman, that I feel like I'm having those types of conversations. And so I crave those, I desire those. Um, And then for the nonprofit, just seeing the network of leaders come together um, of people building relationships more meaningful than just trading leads, trading referrals, referrals, but they're actually building relationship with one another and finding that, you know, this isn't competition. We're, we're cooperating together. Um, a leader gave me a term recently called uh, co-opetition that we're cooperating, but we're also like competing that. for the same, you know, we might be doing the same thing, but I can't serve everybody in my community. Yeah. So we need to do this together. I like and that. so I've, um, yeah, I brought on another coach on my Exonimo solutions. I've got another coach here in the area that helps me um, another pastor actually, and uh, that went part-time with that. And so, yeah, um, those are, those are my, that's what drives me is just seeing an impact in people's lives. Um, I feel like I'm called to live in deep, meaningful relationships with people. And this is giving me a way to do that and, you know, support my family as well and do that well. I love it. I love it. Well, man, this has been so good. I appreciate the update just personally. It's been great to reconnect with you and kind of hear all the new and exciting things that have taken place in the last few years in your life. But uh, if anybody wanted to connect with you, reach out and uh, ask any more questions Mm -hmm. or keep tabs on what you're doing. What's the best way for someone to find you? Man. Um, I've got way too many websites, right? (laughs) Um, there's a website with everything, of course. Um, maybe the easiest way would, um, I co-host a podcast myself and it's called leading is serving. Um, that's based in my, um, my coaching philosophy as well as, um, it's, uh, kind of the open door to our community for the nonprofit. Um, leading is serving. Okay. Um, we've got a website for that leading is serving.com. Um, you can, you can hear some of the coaching principles. You can hear some of the work with the uncommons network that we're doing right now. <clears throat> Excuse me. That we're taking applications for, um, people to join these, these mastermind groups here in our community. Um, but you can find my contact information through that, or, um, you can just go to my coaching website at exonimo solutions.com. E-X-A-N-I-M-O solutions.com. So. Fabulous. Yeah. We'll put We'd the love links. to hear from anybody. I'm so happy to just talk forever. Yeah, man. <laughs> we'll put the links to that in our show notes. And again, truly grateful for your time coming on and investing into our audience. I know you you've shared some really good stuff here. So thank you, my friend, and all the best as you continue to build all of this stuff. Praise God. Thank you. Thanks. And uh, prayers and uh, hope for you guys too, through uh, Entree you. Pastors and all that you're doing to impact our pastors and the nation. Man, y'all keep at it. Love it. Well, there you go. Good stuff from Jason Kempf. We're getting ready to shut this week's episode down. Les, before we sign off, we want to make sure that we invite people to join us for our upcoming challenge. 
Uh, we, we're excited to have another one here coming up around the corner. So where do people go to get signed up for four days to a profitable business idea? That's the title of the challenge. In this four-day time frame, we're going to be helping you really explore what is the best idea for you. We don't have a one-size-fits-all. It's what's, what's a good idea for you to launch a business if you're in that place of kind of struggling to know what would be a good business for me to start out in the marketplace so where do people go to get signed up for this, Les? Andrepastors.com and forward slash four day challenge. The numeral four, don't spell it out, just the number four, four day challenge, no spaces, and that'll get everything they need to know, John. And if you're just like John just said, you know, if you're if you got two or three or more ideas and you're like, man, I wouldn't even know where to start, or maybe you don't have an idea at all, but you you would like the results that we talk about. This is a great place to start, entrepastors.com forward slash four-day challenge, and we'll get the results. Yeah, in the four days together, we basically go over four modules. The first one deals with mindset. We really deal with some of the thinking around what it takes to overcome some of those limiting beliefs that stand in the way of us taking this Entree Pastor journey. On day two, we do some assessment work. We help you assess kind of how God has wired you. And on day three, we talk about several different pathways. We introduce you to some broad pathways you could consider and really encourage you to choose one as we get going. And then the fourth day is strategy. Like what are some strategic steps you can take moving forward now that you've done some of that other work? So really a robust uh, four days together that will bring you to some hopefully clarity. That's the goal that we're hoping to get for you in this four day challenge and uh, hope to see a bunch of you there. So, Les, as always, man, it's a pleasure hanging out with you in the studio. Um, thanks for your time and all the best this week, man. Have a great week. All right, John. See you soon. God bless everybody. We will see you next week. Take care. Mm-hmm.